0: Good morning on the Feast of the Epiphany. In the secular world, it's also a solemn day for some political nonsense. If you don't want to be subjected to that, I highly recommend not turning your news on today because you will be inundated with a bunch of silly stuff. So instead, today we'll talk about news in the church. And I'm working on an update for what happened in Australia that I covered a few days ago but that story seems to keep evolving, and we also had, I think, something worth talking about happen on, yet again, the Fiducia Supplicants front, so I'm going to focus on all of that today. We have actually good news for us, bad news for Fernandez. It's sad that that's how it is, that bad news for the man the world sees as Pope and his prefect for his congregation or dicastery of the Doctrine of the Faith Sad when bad news for them is good news for the laity. But that's where we are in the church today. And so let's just head right into some, I think, good news here. And so we go to Gloria TV for this. France, the entire ecclesiastical province, bans the new document. They, The entire ecclesiastical province, this is nine bishops, have said no. They issued this statement yesterday. Bear in mind, well, actually, the ten bishops of the ecclesiastical province of the uh, on January first. This is right before <clears throat> Fernandez issued his clarification, and then this became big news yesterday. You, start, you may have seen this trending a little bit on social media. The article goes on and says the ten bishops of the ecclesiastical province of Renes comment commented on first January on Francis's pamphlet. They noted that. The that holy matrimony has been trivialized by turning it into a concept of civil law that ignores the essential specificity of differences of the flesh. The bishops reaffirm their prophetic mission to proclaim the beauty of God's design in creating human beings as he did. Their text reads in bold For this reason, it is not appropriate, it is appropriate to spontaneously and individually bless each of the two persons who form this pairing whatever their whatever their inclination who humbly ask for God's blessing with the desire to conform themselves more and more to his holy will <clears throat> what this means is they are they framed their discussion in the actual faith of the church so that they are going to indivi- they are willing to individually bless each person who conform themselves to God's will meaning wanting to walk away from sin that's a good thing and you see the signatories there I'll leave them on screen in case for those watching on YouTube or later when I upload this to one of the uh, alt platforms or, but if you're listening on um, if you're listening over on like Spotify I'll have uh, links to this in the show notes today at returntotradition.org. But that itself is good news and I like starting this stuff off with good news today in fact today we call this a good news episode because at the end of the day, While a lot of this has been bad, remember anybody, any resistance we see to this is good news. And because it looks like most of the bishops are either going to ignore this without saying anything or publicly are going to say no. So far, we shall see. Again, the U.S. bishops issued a very lukewarm sort of acknowledgement of it without committing, but it sounded like they they issued a we get the message kind of thing. But that's because the U.S. bishops are split and essentially three factions, a very small group of bishops who know they can't do these things and are willing to speak against it. A group of middle-of-the-road kind of bishops who either want to just do their jobs and stay out of the debates or try to find a halfway point on these impl- implementations. And then the other group, you know, your McElroys and your supichs and your Tobins, <clears throat> they're the influential ones. Supich is one of the most influential bishops in the entire United States, even if he is not you know, the president of the USCCB. (sighs) All right, just quick check of the chat here. But yeah, that's an important, that was an actual important uh, uh, thing from France because when you have 10 bishops say basically no to, in a country like France, which is his, the last couple hundred years hasn't exactly been the friendliest to the church on a secular government level, And it's a church that has full, or it's a country that has fully embraced the winds of change in the broader society. When you see them standing up and basically saying no, that's a good thing. It's not the most strong decree you'll ever see, but it's still not a bad thing. But I want to go here to kind of a main event here. We'll zoom in on this so that everybody can see it a little bit better. But uh, yesterday, Cardinal Mueller gave an gave an interview to. CAF.net and the Catholic Conclave blog produced a good translation of it so we can go over this. Because they asked him a series of questions and in response to Cardinal Fernandez's so-called clarification. And he's not having any of it. Again, bearing in mind that Mueller is a moderate who also likes to be very measured in how he talks about things. So if he comes out and calls something heresy or heretical, that's a big deal. And he did talk about like that Earlier on in these discussions, here you're going to see a measured response to it. But what he says here is just not good news for the Vatican. So, the the it opens with the prefect emeritus because that's what he used to be for the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith. He was one of Fernandez's predecessors. Before uh, Fernandez was Cardinal Ladaria, who was who had reservations about some of what things Francis is trying to do to the church, said as much, and Francis canned him for it, but before Ladaria was Mueller. Maybe somebody in between, if there was, let me know in the chat, but I think it was Mueller, Ladaria, and then now Fernandez, under Francis this whole time. So Cardinal Gerhard Mueller answers exclusively to the cath.net press query. So they ask him, Cardinal Mueller, has anything changed in terms of content with the latest statement from Cardinal Fernandez? So has Cardinal Fernandez's statement changed anything in this discussion? Has it made it clearer? Has it restored a sense of orthodoxy to this? You know, you'll see certain Catholic YouTubers talk about how, you know, Fernandez has laid down the law with the German bishops and all this stuff. Okay, let's see what Cardinal Mueller has to say. He says, I have nothing to add to my comment on fiduciate supplicants. That turns out to not be true because he does go on for some time. He says, The worldwide negative reaction from large parts of the world episcopate and from leading lay people to the, quote, recommendation for action on the private blessing of people in in sinful uh, situations issued by the dicastery for the doctrine of the faith should give those responsible in Rome something to think about. But just two points for further clarification. One, the distinction between liturgical official blessings and the private pastoral blessings, for not, for those not in holy matrimony, but engaged in fleshly activities, we'll say, remains problematic for me. The proposed 15 second blessing with a sign of the cross and the invocation of the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit is described there as a private prayer for the assistance of God, who always wants our turning away from sin and our eternal salvation. Any lay person can say this prayer over others. The priest, however, must be careful that his blessing in the name of the church is not exploited by secular, ideological, and ecclesiastical heretical pressure groups. Okay, there's a your, there's, there's your reference to James Martin, whom he is on good terms with, by the way. Some of those pictures floated around the internet from the Synod on Sin, where they were shaking hands and speaking pleasant to each other, but that's who he's talking about here who are only concerned with undermining the truth of the revealed faith in the teaching and practice of the church which one does not can play which one does not can play against each other it's an interesting uh, translation issue two the most problematic point does not seem to me to be the obvious pastoral concern for the salvation and openness to god of people in these irregular situations or those that twisted by the ideology of the flesh that james martin promotes View Christian matrimony theology as outdated, not in a way that is hostile to the body, but rather in the claim of a quote real development beyond what is said by the magisterium, the official text of the church about blessings. Meaning that this does nothing to dissuade people from who believe that the church has developed significantly its doctrine on the sac- that the that sacrament. We have heard people say that. We have heard the German bishops say that. We have heard. James Martin talked about how this is a monumental development of doctrine. He says the problematic point does not seem to be the obvious pastoral concern, but rather a claim of a real development. And this this document has nothing to dissuade that says the teaching office of the Pope and bishops can in no way be assigned an authority by a Roman dicastery, even with reference to the personal will and freedom of will of the current reigning Pope that has been issued once and for all in Christ and is contained in the doctrine of the apostles to supplement, reduce, correct, or make compatible with everyday understanding or current ideologies the normatively presented revelation for all time. The two papal dogmas of Vatican I, infallibility and jurisdictional primacy, do not provide such interpretation that would go beyond the hermeneutics of the Catholic faith. In fact, they outright contradict it. There's nothing to tamper with with the definitive declaration of Vatican II. Quote, The magisterium is not above the word of God good quote from Vatican II for once, but serves it by teaching nothing other than what has been handed down because it teaches the word of God by divine commission. And with the assistance of the it hears the Holy Spirit with reverence, keeps it holy, interprets it faithfully, and because it draws everything that it presents to be to believe as revealed by God from this one treasure of faith, citation to a Vatican II document. Here he is invoking Vatican II against the people who claim they are fully implementing Vatican II with synodality, and with their liturgical nonsense, and all these other things. The magisterium is not above the Word of God. The Word of God very clearly contradicts what is going on here. The word of God calls people to repentance, and not just for the sins we're talking about in question, but for all manner of sins. We, we would hopefully be rightly against them trying to soften or even change the teaching on any other sin that the church has had a constant teaching on. It's just that for whatever reason, the church has been very, very focused on this. And I say church in quotes because this stuff is not from the church. This stuff is from a bunch of pretenders. He goes on. The Gnostic opinion that a small leadership elite has special access to the Holy Spirit or that mythologically the Holy Spirit speaks through the healthy people of intellectually uncorrupted common people, the people spirit of the romantics, has nothing to do with the Catholic faith. There's only one treasure of the word of God contained in Holy Scripture and fully preserved and faithfully interpreted in the context of the apostolic tradition by the whole church under the guidance of the Holy Magisterium, with some more Vatican II references. Meaning he's pointing out that there's a Gnostic tendency to this document, to fiducia supplicants and to the clarification, that they are claiming a special right to essentially find things in the gospel that weren't there. They're claiming special knowledge, and that's Gnosticism. The church has had a long-standing resistance to Gnosticism for millennia. Gnosticism is one of the oldest heresies, and there's a certain Gnostic flavor, Gnostic tinge to this story. Traditional Catholics, is a professional Francis fan fiction writer Austin Ivare coming out against George Weigel. George Weigel for his criticism of Pope Francis. George Weigel might be the, like one of the most influential Catholics in the United States, and I can see why Austin Ivare, who my money is on him being included in any synodal conclave changes that for handpicking whoever the next pope will be when that time comes the my my money is awesome if i will be among those oh boy <clears throat> okay good robert must, must have said something in the chat that caused people in the chat to start wondering he was going to leave but no he's assured us he's not going to leave which is good Colin, I can't put your comment on screen, but he says the church, in his opinion, has developed a reverence for the James Martin sin that goes completely against God's law. It wasn't the church doing this. It's not the church. The church is the spotless bride of Christ. These are heretics doing this. These are people who are unfit for various reasons to serve in the priesthood or religious life or anything else. And if they are formal heretics, meaning they know full well what the church teaches and they don't care, then they've sent, they've removed themselves from the church anyway. What that means in terms of ecclesiastical leadership is something the church will have to decide later in the future, but there's a lot of implications for that. Adams says, a, de- a demon dressed as a priest, bishop, or pope is still a demon. That is correct. <laughs> traditional scat reminds you of what i said yesterday spoons of sh- sugar makes the heresy go down and there was a listener who made a who made a a, a meme of that and then posted it on my on my facebook timeline and i posted it on twitter so um we'll go on though because there are more things to talk about with this so after mueller there while this was going on there were some stories that happened that we were all kind of distracted by <clears throat> And one of those things we were distracted by was, or from noticing was that there was a pretty important suppression of the Latin mass that happened in the United States. And that was, it was suppressed in New Haven, Connecticut. And why is that a big deal? Because, I mean, aside from it's a big deal when it happens anywhere, but this is a particularly interesting one because you have an organization here, one of the oldest organizations in the United States who had been trying to preserve the Latin mass, the St. Gregory Society, and this is their like home essentially, and it's been suppressed there, which means it could basically be the end of the St. Gregory Society. An organization, a fraternity that has existed for thirty-seven years to promote the traditional liturgy. Thirty seven years means, by the way, that, that that they've been going around since the nineteen nineties or the nineteen eighties. They've been around a long time and now they're gone with a stroke of a pen. Happened while we were all paying attention to Fiducia supplicant. So, of course, as you can see from life it's Latin mass suppressed in New Haven, Connecticut. Local pastors decided to end a Latin mass near Yale, held for almost four decades by society credited with promoting the traditional mass all over the East Coast. This one's a big deal. And I mean, sorry, whenever I see a, a beautiful high altar, I have to take, I have to pause what I'm doing and, and take a look to appreciate what it is I'm seeing. I don't know why the reformers, so-called liturgical reformers, thought stripping the beauty out of our parishes was a good idea, but I almost wonder if just that alone has driven people away from the faith. That by itself did add that effect. So let's take a look at the article. So, the sole Latin mass in New Haven, Connecticut, provided by the historic St. Gregory Society will be canceled as of June or January 14th, thereby tentatively ending the society. A representative of the Archdiocese of Hartford shared with LifeSite News on Wednesday that Archbishop Leonard Blair approved the decision of Father Sebastian Coase, administrator of the Latin Mass host church, St. Stanislaus, and Father Ryan Lerner, pastor of St. Stanislaus Parish Church, blessed Michael McGivney, to discontinue the Latin Mass. Archbishop Blair wrote to Father Coase and Father Lerner on December 19th, referencing their joint December 11th decision, explaining, quote, given the declining number of attendees, most of whom are not members of the parish, and the challenges of finding a qualified celebrant, not to mention the restrictions placed on such celebrations by the Holy See, I fully concur with the decision that has been made, end quote. Now, I want to contrast that with the actual, with, with what the actual society itself said in response to this. So they, the Society of St. Hugh of Cluny was what this listed did there. So I'm not sure what the differences are, but the, their piece was published on the 31st of December. Again, people didn't notice this for, here we are a week into the new year and we didn't notice. So the end of traditional Mass of St. Stanislaus in New Haven. We are reliably informed that two minutes before today's traditional mass, what a way to announce it, a decree of Archbishop Leonard Blair of Hartford was read suppressing the Latin mass in New Haven as of January 14th. There had been no previous communication with the congregation, meaning it came right out of the blue, okay? And they announced this on a Sunday. They had been referred to St. Patrick's, the church of the Institute of Christ the King in Waterbury. This is the tentative end of the Apostolate of St. Gregory Society, which will mark its 37th anniversary soon. The St. Gregory Society has played a historic role in the rediscovery of the celebration of the traditional Mass with complete music and ceremony. The Society's influence has been felt all over the East Coast of the United States and beyond. You can find many references to their work over the years by searching this blog. This action is entirely consistent with the pattern of contemptuous treatment of the faithful and of priests by Archbishop Blair displayed, for example, in his recent drastic restructuring of the Catholic parishes of New Haven. And the incoming co Archbishop has been frank in his disdain for the laity. It is one facet of the tragic decline of an archdiocese once so glorious, end quote. If their fate had not been sealed before the statement was after, not suggesting that they that traditional groups that come under the ire of the bergolians should tiptoe around the truth they should speak frankly and they did so here but if there were but there are consequences that come with that and if there was any chance of debating this of negotiating with the diocese it probably ended with this now i find the one one thing one claim there suspicious and not in this st- statement here but in the life site what in the statement from the bishop declining numbers at a traditional parish i'm sorry anybody who goes to who's been a traditional mass only person for several years will tell you the mass the masses are slowly getting more and more crowded more and more packed at my home parish my family has to make sure we're there early otherwise we are going to have trouble finding a place in our kids stay when we stay mostly in the kids room because of my the how rambunctious my children are But we still have to show up early. Otherwise, we may not find a place. That's the common story for traditional parishes now. So again, I find that claim questionable. And I think the giveaway there is where where he said that most of them are people who are not members of the parish. These are people who drive from a long distance. If you want to protect your traditional mass offerings, my recommendation is to register with your parish if you go there even half time. Register with them. That might help protect the parish if you and on conversely if you uh decide to leave uh, you know an ordinary foreign parish or something you want to contact them and get off their rolls because because they are the diocesan tax that's levity on them is based on how many people go to that mass there so you want to make sure you don't cause them problems right and i know that might sound like an odd thing to suggest but again we're not trying to cause problems for normal parishes here we're just trying to preserve the faith in our families when those of us who go latin mass only come to the realization we can't do that in an ordinary foreign parish for whatever reason peter coleman asked why well, is there co- no commentary on the infiltration of the vatican by uh redacted group um there's been plenty of that it's just not we timely news immediately right now but we've talked about i've talked about that a lot by various We Were Warned videos and other things. Which I have a We Were Warned video, by the way, for those who like those, going live in about at 7 a.m. Central Central Time. So keep an eye on that. Whips says, Marie Julie Jehani suggested that we could see a complete change of the liturgy unless that was a reference to Vatican II change. I think that's a reference to Vatican II. There have been rumors swirling that Francis is going to change the liturgy again, but I don't see how he'll have time to do that maybe a successor of his will, but I think uh, Marie-Julie Jehenny was referring to the liturgical changes at Vatican II since she was, uh, I believe, 19th century, well before any of these changes. Someone is, I'm, some really confusing things going on in the chat here. I'm just going to focus on what we're doing said because some of this is a little bit weird. So, uh, but yeah, people are saying that they drive three hours to get to a traditional mass um yeah my family does an hour and a half each way i met a family in tulsa who drove i think it was four or five each way on sunday and they had small children mass was a day event for them every sunday because they had no they had no good options in where they are in kansas which is unfortunate and there's a lot of people in that situation and i do believe god re- blesses them greatly with graces for that disciples says that he only has a diocese in tlm in maine Thankful for that, but could lose it at any moment. That's true. I do wonder if the Society of St. Pius X is anywhere near you. I would check. Did I see the interview with Frenchman Xavier Reyes Errol stating that there's already a document that works to change the liturgy? I have not seen that, but uh, Michelle, if you want to email that me a link to that, I'll take a look at it. Okay? Email is in the description box. Whip says, I think we can offer up those long drives and the cost, the burden, financial burden, because uh, fuel is not that cheap for most people right now. Even if it's cheaper now than it's been all of last year, it's still not, it's still like financially can be a burden for people. All right. Um, Let's continue though, because I do have one more thing here. But you can expect with the suppression of that group that there will be ripple effects because they were so influential that New Haven, you're going to see ripple effects across the, you're just going to see ripple effects across the Eastern Seaboard because if they can be uh, taken down, then think about other groups that are long standing in communities that are really well known. There's a few that come to mind. I don't think, you know, Bishop Condorla in, in the Diocese of Tulsa is going to go after uh, Clear Creek, Clear Creek Abbey or anything, but organizations like Clear Creek Abbey or um, that are similar to them. He won't do it. I'm saying other bishops in, on the Eastern Seaboard might feel emboldened to go after those kind of groups or up in Chicago. You've got you know, St. John Cantius up there. There's a few others. You'll see these. Um, actually, I do want to close this today because there's the other thing I'm noticing is there's, there's a bunch of people out there suggesting right now that our best bet is to pretend nothing is going on and to put our head in the sand and then embrace a sort of lukewarmness. So, so a, a website called Reject Modernism has got a, not a lot of interesting quotes here. Um, when tell you, people tell you to stop paying attention, they're suggesting a form of lukewarmness. To know bad things are happening in the church and to turn away from knowing those things are is, at least in my mind, a form of lukewarmness. You, you should have a reaction to the church our Lord founded You have love for our Lord. You should love the church he founded. To know that horrible things are happening and then turn your back on them, to plug your ears and la, 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 and pretend there's nothing going on. I cannot imagine how that's a pious thing to do. And people like to throw, you know, St. Catherine of Siena's quote around about even if this pope is a scoundrel, you should cling to him. Her quote is directly contradicted by numerous other doctors of the church who basically called people to resist them. St. Cajetan has one. uh, Robert Bellarmine has one. There are several others. But here we see, you know, Pope St. Pius V's famous admonition that all evils of the world are due to lukewarm Catholics. It, it, It reminds me of somebody once saying, maybe it was Fulton Sheen, you know, if you had 100 good Catholics praying the rosary, they could convert the world. Um, St. Pius X says th- the strength of Satan's reign is due to the easygoing weakness of Catholics. That's our desire. We all have it to some degree, to get along with the world, to not challenge things going on in the world. That does a call for us to stop doing that. He that sees another in error and endeavors not to correct it testifies himself to be in error. Saint Pope Leo I. That would include, in my mind, members of the hierarchy who are very publicly in error. We're not talking ambiguous statements necessarily unless there's a long, long track record of ambiguity. We're talking about those who fully embrace ambiguity or who are fully in error. We have a duty to correct error. And if we don't correct error, that means we are in a different kind of error ourselves, which is probably the lukewarmness. Not to oppose error is to approve it and not to defend truth is to suppress it. And indeed to neglect to confound evil men when we can do it is no less a sin than to encourage them. Pope, Leo, Pope Felix III. No one can be at the same time a sincere Catholic and a true member of the Hammer and Sickle ideology, Pope Pius XI. Those ideology, variants, and nihilism strive to uproot the foundations of a civil society, Pope Leo XIII. His empire includes not only Catholic nations, not only baptized persons who, through of though of right, belong to the church, have been led astray by error or have been cut off from her by schism, but also all who those who are outside the Christian faith, so that truly the whole of mankind is subject to the power of Jesus Christ. Christ is king, even, um, even king for people who don't acknowledge him. Leo Thirteenth continues, St. Thomas maintains, each one is under obligation to show forth his faith, either to instruct and encourage others of the faithful or to repel the attacks of unbelievers, to recoil before an enemy or to keep silence from when all sides such clamors are raised against truth is the part of a man either devoid of character or who entertains doubt as to the truth of what he professes to believe. You get the point? Head in the sand suggests that you are lukewarm. It reveals internal doubts about your position. We're not called to be lukewarm. We're not called to stand by and watch the church get reconstructed into some new image and likeness for the secular world. We are called to be saints, to stand up and defend the church. That is what we are for. We'll take a look at the comments here before I wrap this up. Good morning, Jack, and good morning, Miriam, and everybody in the chat today. Um, we are having it's a it's a feast of the epiphany. It's also a first Saturday. If you've been considering starting the first Saturday devotions, first or first Saturday, going to first Saturday Mass and all the rest of the things with the five first Saturdays, today's a great day to start. If you've got the time, go do it. If you need a little more planning, start next month. But today is first Saturday in case you're planning to go. Don't forget, Feast of the Epiphany should be able to get some epiphany salt. Today, a lot of people will be taking down their Christmas decorations. Other people will leave them up to candle, ma- candle mass. Um, Trevor Jones said, I can't remember whether it was me or Taylor Marshall who made the comment sometime back that the TLM attendees were being corralled into the SSPX and then will be executed and blocked, but it's becoming a reality. It's what it seems like. I, he and I probably both made that same comment because a lot of people have noticed that. That seems to be what's happening. <clears throat> and, you know, there's this persistent rumor that the SSPX are going to consecrate new bishops. When that news is posted on SSPX News, the official news site of the SSPX, then you can believe it. But until then, don't. But I would be surprised if they didn't sometime soon because their bishops are not young anymore. They, they need new bishops. They would probably acknowledge themselves that they need new ones. But they're going to do it on their own time, wait for an official news announcement of that. But when that happens, that might be the impetus for all things that they that all this has been happening. In fact, that might be why they haven't done a consecration. Um, Looking for any more questions in the comments, please. Uh, if you are a member of the channel, you do get a free super chat, by the way. Click on the super chat, I'm not fishing for super chats, to be clear. You can click, if you are a channel member, like, you know, Colleen or Lynn or anybody else, you could click on the super chat option and there's a members question thing. It'll, it highlights it as if it was a super chat, but it doesn't cost you anything. You get like one free one, either a stream or per month. So take a look at your options. Please use them, your perks. Um, <clears throat> Damien Keller says, we're seeing the signs, of the diocesan suppression of the TLM, which will affect the diocesan societies. It will, it will. I mean, when the, there was going to be long, like a ripple effect. Anytime you see any bigger traditional mass suppressed there's a ripple effect and it, not only with like the sspx or the fssp whose ranks swell. even if people are driving two or three hours to get to them after that you see more you also see effects with other priests who are traditionally inclined all of a sudden they're walking on eggshells or you'll see other bishops who see something are feel emboldened to take more action Peter says, uh, would it be wrong for parishioners to follow the NO mass as if it was Latin doing all responses to St. Michael? Pray everything that would be done Latin. I mean, there's like 8% common between the traditional mass and the TLM. I can't tell you not to go to the Novus Ordo. That's not my place. You need to, all that question needs to be discerned on your own. But um, I do think you might be making a spectacle of yourself if you started doing things like you know, during the procession at the beginning of the Ordinary Form Mass, you started acting as if there was uh, an asparagus may going on, and you know, using a 1962 liturgical book and things, I think you might be, you might cause a spectacle, which would be taking from the Mass, and I wouldn't do that, personally. Um, Evelyn says she's going to her first Saturday, got her priphany water and chalk last night. I applaud the L with my traditional Latin Mass, it's my lifelong. Yeah, uh, do the, um, again, if you can get your epiphany water and chalk and everything do it it's interesting that epiphany this year falls on the first saturday that happens every few years obviously but it's interesting that it's happening and i think that's a good thing keep the five first saturdays you only have to really keep the five first saturdays once although there are plenty of people who keep doing it meaning you go to mass the five uh the first saturday for five consecutive months and then you do a, a certain amount of different uh acts of penance and things including going to confession And receiving the Eucharist, both of which can be done within eight days, by the way, of the first Saturday, as long as you go to Mass that day. And spending time after the Mass, contemplating on the mysteries of the Rosary. People have debates on what it is. I suggest just focusing on one. And then uh, focus on a different one the next one, and then a different one the next one. But you do that for five, and then there's benefits for yourself. But you're also making reparation and doing ex for outrages against the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Of which there are many in the broader culture right now. Okay, there it is, Colleen, Try it. see that's what I'm talking about. Love all your words. Stay strong. Pray. <laughs> there it is. See, that's what I'm talking about for the channel members. That is the what you get. The ability to do a it looks like a super chat, but she didn't have to pay anything extra for that. So, there it is. All right, Bishop Coin is expected to be Francis friendly and suppress the for di- Archdiocese TLMS. That's uh, keep me posted on that, Damien. If you see that, uh, send me an email or a message. We're connected with a, a few different social media websites. I want to keep up with that because Hartford is one of the bigger archdioceses. Um, I don't know if you saw the news out of Portland, Oregon, but Archbishop Sample suppressed the one Catholic-Lutheran joint mass that had been going on in the entire country. It had been going on in his diocese for years. And when I lived there, I didn't understand why it was going on, but I wasn't going to question it. Well, he put an end to it. I didn't see what his reasoning was, but it made secular headlines when he did that. Because I got Google notifications about that. Um, EFOS was TLM, traditional Latin mass, the form of the mass that developed organically from the time of the apostles until uh, 1968 when it was informally suppressed. Informally because there was no formal declaration that it was suppressed, but everybody acted like it was. All right. Um, okay, folks, we are going to wrap things up here. I'm just curious if anybody else has any final thoughts, we will entertain them now. And then we will move on. And then we'll move on. There is a good video coming up in a couple of hours. Uh, we were warned for those who are in the prophecy. Super chat from SP. Thank you very much. Keep up the great work. Do appreciate that. We all appreciate your commentary during these difficult times. And people's support of the channel helps keep these messages coming, so I do appreciate it. Um, Typically on a Saturday, I do my live stream a little bit later in the morning than I do my daily news ones, which tend to be 3.30 or 4 in the morning. Sunday is also going to be around 3.30 in the morning, simply because I have to get my family ready for Mass by the time, like this time tomorrow, I'll be getting my kids dressed and all that stuff, so... All right, folks. Thank you for tuning in today. And again, it's the Feast of the Epiphany. Do something to mark the day. And it's the first Saturday. If you're inclined to start the devotion today, this is a good time to start the the five first Saturdays. And as always, pray for the church and everybody I spoke about today in these videos. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.